0: Today on First Lady and Friends, we had a great conversation with Maddie Mortensen. She's someone that I met a few years ago and has just been a delightful friend. And she has a podcast called This Is Not a Backup Plan that I've been on before. And hope you enjoy her conversation with me. Let's get proximate. Welcome back to First Lady and Friends. We are so excited to have um, a good friend of mine that I met probably during our campaign. I think that was the first time we met. Don't you
1: think? Yeah, I think that must have been it.
0: <laughs> Maddie Mortenson, and formerly of Cache Valley, and uh, now currently living in Salt Lake. Yes, I grew up in Harriman. I went to Utah State for school. Stayed a little bit longer than I planned, but now
1: I'm back in Salt Lake County, and I'm very happy about that. Fantastic! I didn't realize that you were from here originally. Yeah, I grew up in Salt. Lake County, but I visited Utah State. My cousin was going there when I was in high school. I visited it and I just kind of fell in love with Cache Valley as happens. And it was super, super fun. um, But it's also been a lot. It's been really nice to be a lot closer to home.
0: Yeah, oh, that's fun. Okay, so yeah, we met. I think we first met uh, maybe in Logan when yeah. we were campaigning. Maybe, yeah, I think so. When you guys were coming through the whole state, and when yeah. you came
1: and you painted the A, we and- did. Yes, Yes. We yes. Did. I think that must have been my
0: <laughs> That was really fun. That was one of the funnest ones we did. And at the time, you were you had you were working for the.
1: For the Herald-Journal. Okay. I was, I'm, so I'm thinking the campaign started in 2019. Does that mm-hmm. sound right? For mm-hmm. the 2020 election. Yep. So I would have been at the Herald-Journal and had just finished up my undergraduate degree at Utah State.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. I was thinking that it was, yeah, real close to you were in school. Um, So you weren't in school at the time, but you had just graduated and you got on the RV with us, didn't you? Yes, for I a did. Yeah. yeah,
1: I did to interview Spencer between a few of the stops.
0: Yeah, that was fun. Um, so let's go back. You you grew up in Harriman, you said? Yes. So that must have been fairly new because Harriman's grown in the last yeah several years like crazy. But so when you were there it probably wasn't as big as it is now. No,
1: it wasn't. My parents both grew up in Utah. They went to BYU, which is where they met And then my dad took a job in the Pacific Northwest after he graduated. So he was there for about a decade. My parents stayed at long distance. My mom moved up there when they got married. I was born there. One of my siblings was born there. And then when I was like four, my family came back, came to Harriman, and that's where we've lived ever, ever since. So it was when Harriman was really starting to take off um, and just like growing really rapidly, changing a lot when a lot of people were moving into the area.
0: Mm, I love that. So tell me a little bit more about your family. So you grew up or you were born in the Northwest, but um, tell me a little bit more about your parents and your siblings.
1: Yeah, so my dad grew up in the U- Uinta Basin, has like lived there, like family has lived there for a few generations. My mom was born in Provo, but lived throughout different places in the state. Her dad was an educator, and so they moved different places with that. And then I'm the oldest of four. I have three younger siblings. There are four of us across ten years about. And um, although I was born in the Pacific Northwest and like have since visited as an adult, like I just like Utah is my home. It's like the only place that I remember. I got both. of my degrees at Utah State, like, this is the place that, like, I really connect
0: with and, like, belong to. Mm, I love that. So, why why Utah State? Um, I mean, why because, not, but well, why yeah. Utah State for you?
1: <laughs> I grew up in a BYU family. I really thought I would go to BYU. I wasn't seriously considering, like, other schools, and then I went to Utah State, and I just kind of fell in love, and, like, I'm a very logical person, but I also just do a lot of stuff based on how it makes me feel and college felt like a really big and overwhelming thing to pick and so i was like i just felt really good when i visited utah state i felt like i could see myself i was really excited about the prospect of being a little bit farther away from home Cache valley provides like a little bit more distance from the south end of salt lake county than provo does so it just seemed like this this could be a really good fit it just felt exciting and so i decided you know what i just want to see what this is what this could be
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about also about your decision making on, you know, what to study and what what spoke to you and, and why you made that decision.
1: So I really I've always liked to write. I've always liked to read. Like I was the English Sterling scholar for my school. Fantastic. And so I thought, like, I'll study English. I um it's interesting. And this, this probably will lead into some of these we're going to talk about later, but growing up in Utah and growing up a member of like the predominant faith community, I had a really hard time um, giving myself permission to be ambitious. Like I felt like I could have hopes and dreams and they could fit in a box. Mm. And so I was very ambitious within my box, but I was very, very, had a very hard time letting myself experience things outside of my box. So I thought like a job where I can use writing, like, is really great because you could work from home. Like, it would be an easy, an easier job to integrate into being a primary caregiver, and so that's kind of why I thought English at first. Um, but I had always been interested in journalism, but I didn't let myself imagine being a journalist when i was nine i went to BizTown town in salt lake which if you haven't been it's on top of the children's museum it's like a small community there are all these different businesses and- Yeah, it's part of junior achievement which yeah. i'm actually
0: on the board of junior okay. achievement. we are big junior achievement fans and um just it's a if, for those of you that don't know about junior achievement it really is a financial literacy program that, uh, that has curriculum throughout the school you know each each grade has a different Curriculum that really teaches about financial literacy and, and, you know, world economics as they get, you know, as you get through the progress through right. the curriculum, um, it, they bring volunteers in from the business community to teach. I mean, so our, our elementary had it because Spencer's uncle was on the board of Junior Achievement and helped get it down to our rural area and then we had volunteers from the phone company that Spencer worked at and so myself and Spencer and a lot of the you know other folks from the company all you know were the teachers of the curriculum for Junior Achievement anyway could go on it's and so on about cool. Junior Achievement it's so I'm so cool. glad that was and your experience. The
1: best town like it's like 4th or 5th grade they let the kids come and they yep. like run the town for the day so I was a journalist and like I loved that, and then I went to high school and I wrote on my high school paper, and I went to college and I emailed the editor of the Herald Journal and asked for a job. And so like I've I've told people this, and they they feel like it seems very silly yeah. that I didn't realize I wanted to be a journalist later, but I just don't think people that feel like it's silly don't understand the mindset in which I was operating yeah. was a journalist was not an appropriate dream for the box that I saw my future in, yep. but I took a news writing class. Like I had just returned from LDS Mission. I took a news writing class, and I had a professor say to me, he said, there will always be work in this field if you are good and you have the potential to be great. Wow! And taking that class and like going to city council meetings and loving city council meetings and loving writing about them and having a professor tell me that, I realized I really don't want to be a technical writer. I really don't want this English degree. I want a journalism degree, and this could be something that I could do. It took a really long time for me to let myself feel that, Mm -hmm. but it really was going into that class, having the practical application, and having a professor tell me, like, You could do this.
0: Wow. We talk a lot about, um, especially on this podcast, about that one caring adult in your life that um, in a lot of times for a lot of us, it's a teacher. It
1: really is. And so
0: I love that you had that experience. Tell me a little bit more about that specific teacher and, and maybe some attributes that... That we should all emulate. This was so something that's really cool about the journalism program
1: at Utah State is a lot of my professors did not have like their PhDs. Like some of them had master's degrees. Some of them, I think, had their bachelor's degrees. I don't know if they had master's degrees. There were faculty that were doing research that had that research experience. But there had been a department head that had fought tooth and nail to be allowed to hire professors of professional practice, Mm -hmm. I think at a higher rate than maybe was sometimes allowed. And so this was a professor that had written for the Salt Lake Tribune. This was a professor that had done like war reporting in the Middle East, like had done a lot of practical things and who really, really um, held us to a very high standard. Mm -hmm. And it was that high standard of like expectation that like, I knew my coursework was so difficult and I knew I was meeting it. Also from someone that held me to a high standard because they wanted me to have the opportunity to be successful later on. Like That was always clear to me is meeting the standard is so that you can do this for real. And so having someone take my writing seriously and edit my writing and critique my writing in a way that was encouraging me to be better so that I would be competitive really, um, really helped me want to rise to meet that standard. And then this was someone that I still talk to and at different points in my career, like I've switched away from journalism. And like the night that I made that decision that was really hard, I had dropped by his house to like drop off something else. And we talked about it. And he was so compassionate and so understanding and supportive of like, I understand why you've made this decision. Like you're doing a good job. Like you're doing the best thing you can for yourself and mm. has just been very helpful.
0: That's amazing. I, I always hope to be that kind of person so that, you know, you you be the one that can encourage somebody to, choose their path that they're really good at and you see potential in people, which I think is beautiful. Um, So journalism right now is, is a really tough industry. Um, Talk a little bit about, you know, some of the, I mean, we're, we're seeing some pretty interesting things in the, in the field of journalism. Talk a little bit about maybe some changes that you've seen even in the last little while, around you know journalism and the and the aspects that are maybe really in this environment?
1: So my experience is really focused on local news media. I interned at a few different papers and I worked at a newspaper for a year after I graduated and then was a news director at a public radio station for a little bit over a year after that. And so I think what was so like hard and unsettling and which is why I, I don't work in journalism anymore is because just watching the paper I was at like rapidly drop in circulation, like watching people like get laid off and knowing the reason more people weren't getting laid off at my station at my um, paper was because people were leaving so they could just let positions go dark. They mm-hmm. weren't having to like actively lay everyone off. Uh, and just seeing like how deeply under-resourced it was, was just like very hard. And it just put a lot of pressure on me that I decided that I did no longer mm-hmm. <laughs> what it wanted to carry. And so I think the hardest thing is just um, as our communication and as we communicate shifts, I don't know that um everyone is able to pivot as well as they would like to. And I also think we're in a period where maybe things are settling and we don't know exactly where they're going to fall. And I think for mm-hmm. local news media that can make it hard of what does this look like going forward because the model that we operated under um previously is no longer viable. Mm-hmm. But um how are the pieces falling and what are we going to do moving forward I think is the million dollar question.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and and that's it's it's interesting and, and sad. I mean even our our um local newspaper in Sanpete County, which I love. I know they're struggling. I know she, they've been trying to sell it for a long time. Um, but I thoroughly enjoy my newspaper. I still we still get yeah. the man, or the it used to be called the Manti Messenger. It's the Sampete Messenger that gets sent up here to me because and I read it every week and I love to see what's going on at the county commission meeting what's happening you know at the school districts um all the all the local news it's really important to people and i think the sad part is as that goes away i mean we used to and i've said this before my husband said this a lot you know in political science you learn that you know or we did way back when that all politics is local yeah and now it's really not true anymore all politics is national And it's really sad. It really is. Something that I always wish had happened is
1: there's a race that's being run about who can be the fastest, the quickest. And I just think that race doesn't make sense anymore. Mm -hmm. Like there are the organizations that are well-resourced. They'll be the fastest. They'll be the quickest. I would love to see their ways for these local pieces, for these local outlets to really um, have the ability to be more unique, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe like more long form pieces, maybe things that are more related to like the flavor of an area that like explain like the growth challenges there i would i want there to be space for local communities to have media that maybe isn't the fastest maybe isn't thorough maybe doesn't cover everything people have choices they can get their other other places but maybe can really excel at that local content
0: yeah i would love to see that too and and i don't know how we get there i think you're right there's there's some really tough i mean we're, we're having to grapple with a lot of this these issues as as local media it's, dying really in a lot of yeah. ways and it's heartbreaking because i think when i read i i read that in local newspaper so that i can stay connected to my community yes and if you're not staying connected to your community if we're not coming together as community members i mean that's that's where some of the i think the bigger problems start to manifest themselves um in our society as a whole i mean we have to have those those local ties, those those community ties, or or we're losing something really special.
1: And I think it's possible to reimagine it. I hope it will be better. I don't know that the world, I don't know. Overall, I have hope that we will continue to improve as people. And sometimes that is maybe a little bit blindly optimistic. I think it's possible to reimagine. I think we're at a very messy point and maybe where some of the things that we've held on and thought would last forever are going away because that's what things do and we are still reimagining what the future might be. Mm-hmm. And I hope that maybe,
0: I hope, hope that there are different ways that we can think about this. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that optimism. Um, so I think what we want to do is is talk a little bit more about what you're doing now and the, the changes that you've made and we'll do that when we come right back. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. pound on the door boom 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 and there was the police once again
1: you can binge all of the episodes of hope and darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts
0: We are back here with Maddie Mortensen on First Lady and Friends. We're excited to have you here. And you just have such a wealth of, of knowledge and information and a life experience around um, journalism, but just um, basically life um, in Utah. And you've been talking about some of those things recently. You uh, have a podcast, and I've been on your podcast. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your podcast and like what was the impetus for creating this podcast.
1: Yeah, so my podcast is called This is Not a Backup Plan and the idea I started working on it in April of 2021. I worked in public radio previously. I really enjoyed audio production and I enjoyed listening to podcasts and like I was like if I'm going to do a podcast, like I'm going to do it correctly. Which is like so pretentious, but I was like, I want to make sure that I have like a focus and an angle like that was really important to me to be able to use my journalism background in it. And in April of 2020, kind of just different ideas and feelings I had came together into making this happen. And so the premise of this podcast um, and the reason it has its name is. Like I talked about earlier, like I had dreams and ambitions, but like I put them in the box of which, like, the religious culture I was brought up in, like, said was appropriate. And so for me, like, in my community and like, There was always just a focus on you're going to grow up and like ideally you're going to be a parent, like you're going to be a mom, you'll stay home and have kids, you'll raise those kids. That is the best and most important thing you could do. Like that's what God wants you to do. This is the best thing you can do. And I follow rules. So if people tell me this is the best thing I can do, this is what God wants me to do, like this is the best ideal circumstance, like I'm going to work towards that. Um, And so in my mind, I thought like women, like my understanding of women's education was like for all the sad things that could happen. Like, if you, if your husband died, if your husband couldn't provide, um, if you got divorced or if you never got married, which was so sad, right? If you never got married, like, how sad would, sad would that be? And so, like, my education was a backup plan. And so, I um, made the shift like when I decided to like get the major that I really wanted to like that was kind of my moment of saying like I'm going to do what I want to I'm going to prepare for like a career I'm going to prepare as if I have a career and so in 2018 I was getting close to graduating and I remember like standing in my kitchen and doing dishes one day and I was already working full-time at a newspaper I had like a summer trip planned to go to Vietnam and um a summer trip planned to go to Vietnam and to do like a journalism storytelling project with like one of my professors it was one of like the last things I was going to do um I like I like had a consistent paycheck and like it was nothing because it was a journalism job but like I could take care of things and I had this thought come to me and it was I'm starting the backup plan of my life Like Mm -hmm. this is officially where the script that I was given, like where I'm stopping to follow that script. Mm -hmm. Like I graduated high school, I went on a mission, I went to college. And then the next script was to be a wife and a mother. And like, that was not in the cards for me. And I was so sad because I had a really good life. I was doing really happy things, happy and excited things. And this had always been presented in a way that I internalized it as very sad. And I just thought, what if I had not picked a degree that I wanted? What if I had picked a field I didn't want to work in? What if I wasn't prepared for a job I wanted because I was planning on these other things? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like People talk about five year and 10 year plans. And I'm like, I'm really just taking a step because I didn't imagine that this is where I'd be, but I'm really happy that this is where I am. And at this time, I was noticing a little bit more like talk on social media from single women, like with similar faith backgrounds, like reclaiming their lives. And I found that like very comforting, like that I could have this happy, fulfilling life, that I could work professionally. And so in 2021, when I wanted to have the podcast, I thought, what if I had a podcast where I talked to people in similar situations as me of what they were doing? And what if I talked with other people about topics that I think would be helpful and empowering and encouraging for single women, especially single women who come from maybe a conservative background like I do um, about reclaiming their life and their dreams and giving themselves permission. You know, what if I had heard this when I was 18 or 19, like or even younger, like would that have changed my thoughts sooner? And then I just know other women who for every reason, didn't or weren't able to give themselves that permission, and now are in their late twenties or early thirties and are trying to reclaim that. And I thought, what if I could create a space where some of that was happening?
0: Mm, that's that's incredible and really inspiring. And I, you know, I love to hear stories of people that are thinking outside the box, that are doing um, really innovative work and and thinking. Um, and so. I'm wondering what are some of the stories that you've heard on your podcast that have that have really like touched you or, or, you know, inspired you? I'm sure you've had some incredible people that have that have shared their stories with you.
1: Yeah, I've gotten to talk to lots of really cool people. Um, When I did most recently, and this is like very fun, um, through the internet, through TikTok, I found this British artist and she had just released this song that she had written about solo traveling because she had been at a point in her life where her friends are getting married and having families and like really like starting their families with their partners. And she felt like she was on the sidelines and something she decided to do for herself was she took a solo trip to Southeast Asia and she just was like, you know, like I'm really going to celebrate the fact that my life looks different, that my life is not what my friends have and that I can do things that maybe wouldn't be compatible for my friend's life. And so she wrote a song about this experience. So we talked about her experience with that. And also this was really cool. She's um, for her day job. She's working with a, uh, organization in the uk that's helping churches redefine how they're serving communities because their thing is many churches are focused on serving families and so in their communities they're working on how churches can reframe the way they're serving people to better meet the needs of the fact Mm -hmm. that more adults are single in our modern world and so it was so much fun to like connect with someone from like an ocean away a completely different background than me and how she was reclaiming her life as a Mm -hmm. single woman
0: Mm, I love that. That's incredible. So what are some of the other uh, focuses of the podcast? I know that you and I talked a lot about service. Yes, Um, I know that that's one of your focuses. Uh, Talk a little bit about that.
1: So you and I talked about um, using service as a way to connect with your community. Something that I think... I've experienced as a single adult, especially like graduating college and then continuing to live in a smaller college town is forming relationships has been challenging. Um, As I feel like I fall in the minority of my peers, like maybe some of the natural connections that people might expect me to have, like are different for me. Um, I've done episodes about home buying as well, because I think that's something that we don't do a great job about talking to single adults, especially single girls. Like I bought my first home in Logan Because there were people in my life that were like, you could do this. But had there not been people saying you can do this, I wouldn't have considered that for myself because you buy a house when you have a husband and kids, you know, but feeling empowered to buy a house and like three, that was huge Um, meal prep. Cooking for one, because so much of how we talk about cooking is how to feed a family. Mm-hmm. And so I talked to somebody about who was saying like, who talked about how she had relearned like cooking for an individual and gave tips. So I try to talk with single adults and like single women about their experiences, like their personal stories, because I love hearing that. And then also like just practical advice. I want to do an episode about a will. I want to do an episode about having a medical directory, a me- medical directive, like I'm in the process of doing that for myself. It gives me anxiety sometimes when I think about the fact that like because I'm single, if I needed someone to make medical decisions for me, like it would be a huge hassle for my dad because I haven't put that in writing yet. So mm. I'm trying to like rectify that and have it be something that's like, hey, like this is a thing to think about and like here's the resource and also in like here here's a story and maybe the story will connect to you. Maybe you'll see yourself in the story.
0: Mm. That's really incredible and stuff that you yeah, like most People don't think about. And I think it's really important
1: ideas. My 19 year old brother was mocking me when he found out I didn't have a medical directive. And I'm like, where's your medical directive? (laughs) And he got quiet really fast because that's not something he's thought about either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's so crazy. Um, I'm I'm wondering I'm sitting here wondering uh, if you're, you're making some incredible changes and you're opening people's eyes to new ideas. Talk maybe just a little bit about what you wish people would know or what you wish they wouldn't say or <laughs> I know that you know in in our culture there there are some insensitivities for sure. So maybe talk a little bit about that. I love that you're empowering people to speak about that. So talk, I mean, I think we should just be blunt and like, please, I, I know, you know, I have friends that have infertility and they're, you know, and a sister and, you know, family members that have infertility. And I just, I have heard so many stories from them, just the really insensitive things that are said. Um And so I know that there's got to be we can be better. And I think we, when we know better, we do better. So what are some of the things that you wish people knew?
1: I think the first thing is I wish people never talked to girls as if they might get through life without having to make money. Mm. And I feel like that was presented to me in many ways as an ideal situation, right. <laughs> is that I would never need to make money. And that does a huge damage to girls. Um, It contributes to girls not studying what they actually want. It contributes to girls undervaluing their labor, undervaluing their time. Um, And that is hugely problematic when we talk about things like income disparities and opportunities for women. Um, So I think we should never speak to girls and about girls as if they will never need to make money. Um, I think that's hugely problematic. I think we should never speak about a woman's accomplishments and couch it in well she doesn't have kids what else is she going to do with her time that's something that i internalize like Mm -hmm. women that were leaders in their communities i would hear women people around me and women and we know this about utah that an awesome thing about utah is we rank highest in sexism of women to other women. Like, yes. It's just a really awesome problem. It's just yes. not a great thing about our state. Um, and so I internalized that like women that were leading and making a difference in their communities. Oh, well, she doesn't have kids. She needed to do something with her time. And mm. I think that downplays the accomplishments. And I think also just recognizing that um, single adults are not adults light i think sometimes people look at a single adult and it's like well you don't have all these responsibilities or like you know you're not prioritizing these things and it's like i am a fully like rounded functioning adult like i contribute to my community it just looks really different because um the way that i live my life is very
0: different Mm, that's those are those are great ideas and great thoughts um i really appreciate that um I want to just kind of talk about what's next for you and what's on the horizon and and just some more uh, details about your life. And we'll do that when we come right back. We are just having a great conversation with Maddie Mortensen. Uh, her podcast is This Is Not a Backup Plan. Um, I actually have enjoyed probably our our off mic conversations <laughs> as much as the on mic ones. Uh, most of them will get me in trouble, so that's why they're not recorded. But <laughs> it's it's been really fun, Maddie. And um, I want to talk a little bit about what's next. Uh, you said you've just recently made a career change, a move. Um, you're you're you've moved out of Cache Valley. You're back here in in Salt Lake City. And um, just wondering, um, what's what's on the horizon for you? You're you're settling down into a new job, but you're thinking maybe more education. (laughs) Which we, I always do that too. Every once in a while, I get a wild hair and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to school, and then I don't know. My reality sets in, and it doesn't happen. But maybe someday. What about you? Um I just finished my
1: master's degree and so I'm like on a really hard moratorium on education.
0: Like, <laughs> you okay. need to stop good, good good. You need to
1: stop being a student. You need to stop being a school be like going to school like school is expensive. I mean I was lucky. I got it while I was working at Utah State. So it was really inexpensive. The most affordable degree perfect. you'll ever get. What was your master's degree in? Political science. Oh perfect. Yeah. Political okay. science. And so I have that master's degree. So I think hey Can't remember if we talked about this on air or off air, or if we talked about this at all. (laughs) Everything is running together. But um, so something that. I had often felt was a disadvantage and was like a very overwhelming thing was because I didn't grow up like expecting that I would have a job like I didn't like have a dream job Mm -hmm. and I didn't feel like I was someone that like developed like this is what I want to be when I am 30 you know that kind of a thing and so sometimes I felt like well what am I doing like am I living my dream like are these my goals like I don't know but I have honestly figured out especially as someone that works in communications and that works in media is um I, I value being happy. I value being creative. I value connecting with my community. And so I'm really content to let myself take the next step. I think about how much I love audio production. I think about how much fun I'm having with a podcast. And like when I was 16, 17, 10 years ago, that was not a thing people were doing. People were not having podcasts. And so I just am imagining that there are other communication, type-related things, creative things, ways that we're going to communicate with each other in the future that I will love and that I will enjoy that I don't know what they are yet. And so for a lot of me, a lot for me is thinking like, how can I do well? How can I learn about the things I care about? How can I develop the skills that I develop? And what can I, like, how does that contribute to my career in the future? And then, like, part of the reason that I'm, like, really telling myself, like, okay, like, we're going to take a break from school is there's other parts of myself that I really love that you don't get to enjoy as much when you're a student. And so mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, like, what are other things I want to learn? Like, what are other experiences I want to have? I'm in the middle of doing my
0: pre-service to be a CASA, a mm-hmm. court-appointed special advocate. And I'm Thank like, very you, excited. by the way. We do, we do a lot of work in foster care and we love our casas. So thank you for doing that. That's and amazing. That,
1: and that's just something that like when you're writing a thesis feels like very daunting to like add <laughs> on top of what you're doing. So I, I'm i like, and I'm also just like getting in used to a new place like part of the reason I wanted to move to Salt Lake is I just felt like it was hard to make as many connections with people my age and in similar demographics I had really rich friendships but I just felt like I really wanted to have like single friends and friends that were in a similar stage of life Mm -hmm. and so I'm hoping that now that I'm living in Salt Lake Valley like I'll be able to like foster that part of my life as well.
0: Mm, I love that that's really cool and and so much of what we need as humans is connection we need connection it doesn't matter who we are where we are in the world connection is huge and that's why you and i have connected a lot over you know the idea of service reconnecting each other through service um i just want to like we haven't done this for a while but i think it would be really fun to do a a little rapid fire questions uh so (laughs) we've done this here and there on the podcast but i think it would be really fun um I, you and I, I, I'm assuming because you were an English major, so this is just a total assumption on my part. I'm assuming that you're a reader. Yes, I'm a huge reader. (laughs) Okay. And you and I share that passion. So tell me, uh, what what are you reading now? Um, This has been taking me like so much longer to read than it should.
1: But I'm reading a book called Reluctant Immortals. It's fiction. Um, It's set in... Lost, it's set in California in the 60s. The main characters are Lucy. I had to look this up. She was Dracula's first victim, Ooh. English victim, and then um, the first wife in Jane Eyre. Ugh. And so because of their relationships with these men, they've become immortal, and things are going okay. Like, they're making it through life, and then Jane shows up, and she just kind of, like, A lot of stuff starts happening after that. And it's just kind of like lovely. It's a little bit spooky. Mm -hmm. It's like spookier than I would usually read, but it's been a really fun, like fall read, like very interesting. I say Jane Eyre is a little spooky
0: anyway. The the Bronte sisters have always been. You know,
1: a little little on the darker side
0: than, say, like the Jane Austen's of the world. So that was going
1: to be my October read, and we are
0: now well into November, so hopefully I'll finish it (laughs) this month. (laughs) Oh, that's fun. Uh, The one I'm reading right now is Facing the Mountain. Uh, I had to look it up because I always forget titles. Facing the Mountain, which is, uh, I think, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but um, so somebody can fact check me, but... I think it's the same author as Boys in the Boat, which I oh, love, love, love. Oh, interesting. Loved. Yes, I liked Boys in the and, Boat. And um, it's about the uh, uh, Japanese internment camps oh, during World I War II. I would really like to read that. So it's it's been, I just started it. So I don't have a ton of like.
1: I went to Topaz a few years mm-hmm. ago, and the museum is wonderful. And I did not know that Topaz was considered the art camp. Mm-hmm. And so seeing the art that people were creating in an experience where they were, where they're, rights as American citizens had been taken away, like, this is a horrific tragedy. Seeing their response, I think, is really beautiful
0: yeah yeah I love that so yes we share that passion we love books Um, I know that you do a podcast and besides your podcast and First Lady and Friends what other podcasts or TV shows do you binge
1: ooh I I started listening to one again today that I haven't listened to for a while I loved my American Girl dolls so much like I feel like that's not surprising at all like (laughs) my historical fiction books and there's a lovely one they just changed their name to Dolls of Our Lives they had a different name before and it's two historians rereading all the American Girl books and they bring on guests and they talk about context and they talk about like things the stories did well. They talk about things that could be more compassionate more expansive about understanding different groups in history. And it's been the funnest way to like revisit
0: American history through something that I really enjoyed while I was growing up. That's amazing. I love that. I would have never never known about that. It's so, just
1: delightful. It's been I the never, funnest I way. I was
0: like, way before American Girl dolls. I'm way too old. Um, they weren't really a thing when I was little or at least my parents couldn't afford them for, for eight girls but my daughter, I was obsessed with them for her. Oh, yes. Mostly me. I was obsessed. But I got them for her because I thought they were so great. Yes. Uh, so fun. Um, talk about um, you. You're a self-proclaimed obsessive expiration date checker. What's in your fridge right now?
1: When did I say that?
0: Oh, I don't know. Maybe this is... <laughs> I don't think that note is for me, me. Tell me. Um, so we've talked about what's what's in your twenty year plan. We've been talking about your ten, your fifteen. what are you what are you thinking long term?
1: Um I hope that at some point I'll live outside of Utah. I think I'll come back. But I think that I would really enjoy living in a big city. I think that I'd have a lot of fun. So I'm hoping that at some point I do that. I really like having a trip. I always like to have a trip to go. So I have lots of places that I hope I'll see. And I think at the end of the day, I hope that I'll have built like significant relationships in my life. Even mm-hmm. if they look different than what I expected, that I there'll be people that um, are significant to me and how they contribute to my life and that I'll contribute to lives and success. In
0: significant ways too. That's amazing. Tell me, I I love to travel. What's you? You've done a little bit of traveling. Mm -hmm. You would like to do more. But what's been your like favorite place that you've traveled?
1: Um, So if I'm talking like international travel, my cousin lives in the Netherlands, so I've gotten to visit her a few times there. And then recently, she and I went to Gdansk, Poland, which is on the Baltic Sea, and it was like 90% destroyed in World War II. It's been rebuilt, and it just felt like a storybook town. Like, it just was wonderful and so unexpected. I knew nothing about it before we went. She didn't know anything about it. And so everything we did there, we were just pleasantly surprised. It was just so lovely.
0: Ah, that's amazing. Yeah, I love to travel. It's super fun. I think that's where... I feel like I expand my horizons the most um, and just new people and new experiences like books. Yes, Travel and books. Travel and
1: books.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, Maddie, it's been so delightful to have you here. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us here today. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks. I'm Dave Cawley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold.